This show is sponsored by Sevi, answering all your commercial real estate needs. Sevi is the first commercial real estate company committed to the four C's, commercial real estate, community, content, and culture. Go visit Sevi at Sevi, S-E-V-I, properties.com. Again, SeviProperties.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the DMV Business Show. I'm your host, Odo Sevilla. And today I have a very special guest for you. We have Michael Coates. Michael is the owner of Restoration One of Washington, D.C. Welcome to the show, Mike. Good morning, and thank you for having me. Of course. The pleasure is all mine. Thank you. Before we get into your personal and business story, if you can give the audience, Mike, just a general overview, you know, if they haven't heard of Restoration One, what are they, what do they do? Sure, thank you. Uh, Restoration One of Washington, D.C. is a locally owned and operated uh, uh, franchise uh, mitigation company. We provide 24-7 emergency response uh, service to uh, water, fire, sewage emergencies. Uh, we also provide emergency board up, roof tarping services, graffiti and vandalism removal, and uh, trauma and biohazard cleanup. Wow. So you're 24-7. Correct. Oh, you must be busy, especially living, uh, doing business in, the, in and around the city. We're very busy and we're very appreciative of all of our customers. And, uh, you know, it's just a, been, been a great ride so far. That's great. Uh, are you originally from this area, by the way, the D.C. metro area? Yes, I am. I'm a native Washingtonian, born and raised. Oh, awesome. What part of D.C.? Northeast Washington, D.C. I grew up around the McKinley Tech area. Okay, okay. I, I grew up in D.C. too. I did uh, elementary, junior high school, and then I moved out of high school uh, to Maryland. Uh, I, I lived in the northwest area, the what's known now as Columbia Heights, but this was pre-metro and all that other stuff. Uh, it looks very different the way it looks today, but um, hey, it's an improvement compared to how the old neighborhood used to be. <laughs> I, I remember very much so, and uh, we have similar journeys. I also attended uh, my high school years in Prince George's County, Maryland. Oh, awesome. Where'd you graduate from? Fairmont Heights High School. Okay. Uh, I'm from High Point. Oh, awesome. Okay. Yeah. Beltsville. Yep. Fairmont, where is that located? That rings a bell, but I can't remember. Yeah, they have a new, a newer uh, campus. I believe the newer campus is maybe located closer to Landover, but uh, when I attended, uh, it was located in Capitol Heights, very close to the district border. Okay, yeah, Capitol Heights. Um, I had warehouses there around uh, Ritchie Road and Capitol Heights uh, that I leased up uh, a couple a couple years back. That area okay. too, Capitol Heights. That's been it's been growing, you know, with the dealership there. I don't know if you ride around there often, uh, but great transition to compare to how it was five, 10 years ago. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. Yeah. So you, you grew up D.C., uh, elementary, junior high school, and then you said you moved to PG, PG County for high school. How was growing up in the city? Like, what were you into? Any activities or sports that you liked? Yes, uh, growing up, uh, you know, back in, in Washington, D.C., back then was a very interesting time. Um, you know, it was a fun time to grow up, um, you know, met a lot of wonderful people and interacted with uh, people of various walks in life. Uh, I was involved in many activities growing up. I was involved in the Young Marines program, uh, which, you know, just sort of kept me uh, with 
activities uh, periodically, uh, you know, experimenting with camping, uh, doing physical fitness related activities uh, that were similar, uh, not to the full scale of what the United States Marine Corps goes through, but, uh, you know, it was quite, quite, quite the workout and uh, kept a lot of discipline, uh, you know, uh, for me as a young man. I also uh, participated in the uh, Metropolitan Police Boys and Girls Club activities. So periodically football, summer camps, uh, you know, just always having something to do and uh, with my time and uh, more importantly, developing critical skills as a young man that have actually been, you know, uh, essential to my journey at this point in life. Uh, I also participated in the uh, ROTC program in uh, junior high and uh, high school. And uh, also, uh, I also remember just participating in uh, another summer enrichment program. I believe it was called the Sasha, Sasha Bruce Youth Works. Uh, and they had uh, all sorts of activities for us to participate in. I uh, participated in recreational sports, uh, you know, just, you know, for fun. I was never like any superstar athlete or anything, but it just gave me something to do and, and keep my time occupied. That's great. Did anyone in your family serve, by the way? Uh, yes, I did have various family members uh, serve in the United States military, uh, from when I understand Navy, Air Force, uh, Army. Okay. No, that's great because it sounds very structured as far as your youth and then being very busy involved with extracurricular activities. Yes. It, it, the Young Marines program was tough back then. Uh, and at, at times I didn't wonder, you know, I, I wondered why I'm going, going through something like this and, you know, why am I getting yelled at? Um, <laughs> you know, why am I having to do a lot of push-ups? Uh, but I understand. And even back then, uh, Washington, D.C. at times was tough. Uh, there were opportunities to engage in, in some activities that probably were, you know, you shouldn't be involved in. And uh, it gave me the discipline to just kind of stay on path and, you know, uh, you know, just try to do the best that I can uh, to make the right choices. No, that's great. Um, I, I wish I had that. You know, my 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 household was a little bit different. I, I'm an immigrant. I come from an immigrant family. So a lot of my parents was just working, both of them. And I did have some extracurricular activities in the city, mostly uh, the D.C. started soccer league with some friends, which was helpful. But if I think if I had just a lot of more things going on like you, my grades would have been a lot better for once. And I probably wouldn't have not been heading the wrong route. That was one of the reasons, too. Uh, besides my dad coming home very late at night from his second full-time job and not finding much parking in the city and then being ticketed all the time. Um, mm -hmm. I wasn't heading in the right direction per se growing up in the city. And uh, a lot of my friends also unfortunately didn't, whether drop out or incarcerate or whatever it may be. And, and I think for me personally, Mike, that move out of the city to Maryland helped tremendously just because that that group of people, I wasn't like they say, you know, your environment, your environment. I was no longer in that environment. And then for the first time, when I moved to Maryland and went to high school, I hit the honor roll. I was like, what? Wow, look at that. I'm actually okay. not, not that bad of a student if I put some effort into it. And then yeah. started getting good grades. And that was for the first time I started thinking about college because I guess my mind, at least me personally in the city, was just living it one day at a time. I wasn't thinking about a year or five years down the road. 
Um, so I'm, I'm glad you were exposed to all these different activities. That's great. It's yeah, helpful. no, it, it was definitely uh, critical to my my development later in life. I, I really appreciate everything, every experience uh, I I encountered as a youth. So uh, everything worked out for for a reason and a purpose. So you you graduated high school from Prince George's County. After that, did you have any idea as far as what you wanted to do or what route you were thinking of taking? Yeah, good question. I flirted with the idea of joining the Marine Corps, then had last minute uh, change of, I had a last minute change of heart, uh, you know, flirted with the idea of attending certain colleges, but after completing the application process and also the uh, finding out exactly how much it costs to attend these various universities, reality set in and I had to settle for local uh, college options. And uh, so everything happens for a reason. And uh, I wouldn't trade the experience for, 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 you know, for anything. Sure. So you stayed local. What'd you end up majoring in? Uh, business, uh, business administration. So I obtained a, a bachelor of business administration uh, with a concentration in uh, organizational management. Okay. So you've always had some interest in business. Correct. Yes. Okay. Where, where, where do you think that came from? Was it, was it, I don't know, maybe were you exposed to it in the family or growing up or you, you just liked it? Not at all. Uh, actually, I, I want to say, you know, early on, I, I started a, uh, my very first job, uh, which was selling newspapers at Metro stations, Washington times newspapers at, the Farragut North uh, Metro Station, McPherson Square. Uh, I even remember uh, Metro Center a couple times. And so back then I said, okay, this is nice. And, uh, you know, I encountered a few other opportunities. I worked in high school at a local bagel shop on Capitol Hill. So, you know, I encountered that experience. Uh, but early on, I initially wanted to be the next Jim Vance. Uh, I actually wanted to go into journalism. and yeah, I thought that would be a good career opportunity, but, um, you know, I don't know. I just settled for business. Uh, I actually talked to a couple of uh, wonderful people that I knew, and they told me that the sky's the limit in business. Uh, and at the time, I, you know, it didn't really sink in. I just said, okay, you know, it's just a motivational speech. But, you know, they told me about the the, the benefits of starting your own business. And back then, seeds were planted in my head, but little did I know I would become an entrepreneur. Uh, and so I had no idea, but, uh, I actually took on a few jobs that prepared me for where I am today. And, uh, so I, you know, uh, we could talk a little bit more about that, but everything happens for a reason. And I'm so glad for the people that I encountered that had those conversations with me back in the day that talked about, Hey, you know, instead of running out buying clothes with your your little bit of money that you earn weekly or your bi-weekly paychecks, maybe look into some stock options potentially. Or back then, uh, I was told to look into savings bonds. Okay. And so I actually explored those opportunities. And then I started looking into, well, what is the NASDAQ? What is the S&P 500? Uh, and, you know, just started looking into those items. And then just uh, from there, it just took off and uh, bought a few books, started reading them and thought, this is okay. And, you know, I can actually do this. And this was pre-internet uh, age, uh, you know, not in the days of TD Ameritrade online. Uh, you had to actually go through a broker. And uh, so I said, okay, you know, I, I can do this. 
Okay, nice. So then you you that's what sort of got you the interest, the bug into the business side of things. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the the mentor I had talked about real estate mostly, primarily real estate, the benefits of real estate. Uh, and I didn't quite go into real estate, but also just the benefits of entrepreneurship. And sure. uh, so that actually, again, you know, just sat in the back of my mind uh, to prepare me for where I am today. So after graduating college, what 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 field did you go into in the end? Yeah, so I was actually involved in the live events industry for the majority of my career. Uh, I worked for a, a local uh, audiovisual and IT company, and uh, we basically were responsible for a hotel and uh, meeting center conference setups uh, to ensure that they ran well and, and uh, the meeting participants were able to execute uh, their course uh, with the uh, local media outlets that would come to cover these events from time to time. Uh, sometimes we would interact with uh, the White House communication team's secret service uh, if the president of the United States were, uh, were to attend uh, or give remarks at these venues. So uh, various venues around the, the D.C. area from the convention center to the Gaylord National Resort and Convention Center uh, to the luxury hotels downtown. Um, you know, it was quite the experience and uh, I learned a lot. Was it during this time that you thought about maybe going off on your own and opening your own business or how did that idea come about? Yes, uh, good question and, and correct. Yes, it, it, it was. Uh, you know, a lot of odd hours I, I would work day and night uh, and everything from P&L management to uh, employee hiring, uh, coaching, mentoring, development, terminations, of course, if necessary. Um, you know, uh, we would also have to uh, attend, uh, I'm sorry, uh, present to uh, fellow target uh, audience members, our, our uh, peers, uh, fellow directors and, and uh, key stakeholders, uh, information from time to time. And uh, at that time, that's when I discovered that I was a very nervous uh, public speaker. I, I, you know, said, wow, they make it look very easy on television. And uh, so uh, I think that's why I told you initially, sometimes I might have butterflies, but this is actually pretty comfortable right now. So uh, even though I know it's going to be broadcast to a, a wide uh, audience, but, um, you know, it, it, it prepared me uh, in, uh, in quite in quite the, the ways that you can imagine, uh, you know, it prepared me to learn more about numbers, uh, accounting methods, uh, you know, EBITDA. I, I, that word just sank into the back of my head, even in college and in the professional world, EBITDA, EBITDA, EBITDA. So I said, okay, no problem, you know, and I always, you know, produce good EBITDA numbers uh, yearly. And uh, we had some success. Uh, I learned from some challenges, of course, I wouldn't necessarily call them failures, but, you know, sometimes we had, had some hiccups along the way uh, and they stung a little bit. And uh, so I said, OK, you know, jot it down, learn from it, move on, get better from it. And uh, more importantly, as a leader in those organizations, I took on a task of making others around me better. So uh, I, you know, would bring in new hires train them up, coach them, get them prepared for success. And, uh, you know, happy to say that we had some success there. And, uh, you know, so I, 
I like to say I left a good mark there and, um, you know, it, it sort of prepared me for where I am today. That's great. It sounds like you you had different roles there. You were able to see many different things and learn from them, of course. Yes. And, you know, the most beneficial part was meeting the diverse array of people that I came encounter with uh, periodically, uh, people from all walks and backgrounds, um, you know, people on a high end uh, incomes scales. And uh, yeah, it, it was quite the right. And uh, I never thought in a million years that I would actually be in the same room as the president of the United States, but, you know, had that encounter on more than more than a few occasions. And, uh, you know, uh, yeah, it was a lot of stress involved, but we got through it. And, uh, you know, some memorable events. And I have a lot of photos uh, that I have in my archive among my treasures that, you know, I'm very proud of. And uh, so it was a, it was a wonderful time. And uh, so, of course, that journey sort of was upended. Uh, well, let me let me back up a little bit. I transitioned out of the hotel environment. I want to say back at towards the end of uh, 2011 and transition to a back of the house role, uh, which is uh, which was basically like an asset manager role. And uh, I also was responsible for vendor uh, management, vendor relationship management, and uh, also hiring uh, part time uh, help for our area. And uh, so I did that role, uh, you know, acted in that role for I want to say maybe the last uh, six plus years of my career until the pandemic and then the pandemic came around of course and then uh you know every everyone was pretty much furloughed mm -hmm. uh until further notice but prior to the pandemic i actually attended a franchise convention uh, in northern virginia or franchise expo and uh you know actually just driving one day and listening to wtop radio a huge plug for them uh basically you know a commercial jingle came on and that mentioned hey have you ever wanted to be your own boss and didn't know how we'll come out to the franchise expo uh at the dulles expo center in, in chantilly virginia and learn from industry experts about how to become your you know your, your own boss in a in a you know in a fairly quickly amount of time if you're interested and i did that i actually went one weekend and attended that expo uh, I want to say it was uh, maybe back in 2018, and I actually tried to pursue one other opportunity before I landed in rest uh, the, the world of restoration, and uh, didn't exactly work out uh, due to for financial reasons. Uh, yet they required a, a a higher net worth than what I was able to uh, produce, mm -hmm. and uh, so basically I hit the reset button, connected with a uh, franchise consultant. And uh, so we explored various opportunities along with my educational and professional background. And uh, here we are. Wow. So I, I assume that experience going to the expo was a big, big game changer for you. Yes, it was. Uh, so it planted a lot of ideas in my head. Mm -hmm. I, you know, prior to going to that, that expo, I always thought of franchising as just McDonald's. Burger King, uh, Taco Bell, food and beverage. Sure. But I never, or actually let me even include hotels because being in a hotel environment, I always knew that 
a bunch of Marriott's and Hilton's are actually franchised. Yes. So I always viewed franchising primarily from food and beverage and hospitality, but I never envisioned franchising across such a broad scale. And so going there was so beneficial uh, for me to learn more and explore the world of franchising. And I actually really, really am so glad that I did it. And I would highly recommend anyone who is giving thought or consideration to striking out on your own and you're a little nervous about it to explore the world of franchising uh, because I, you know, think it's the best system in the world actually to, or the fastest way to kind of take off if you're looking to to strike out on your own, if, if that's a goal. Sure. When you started working with that franchise consultant, was that still you still employed with a W-2 or was it, was it around the pandemic time where many people got furloughed, including yourself? It was during the pandemic time. Okay. Uh, so my unemployment was about to run out. I started getting a little nervous and, uh, you know, said, okay, time's running out. There was no cure at the time. So in my mind, I said, okay, I don't know exactly what I'm going to do and how long this is going to last. Mm -hmm. um, I knew that at some point I'm probably going to have to take on a part-time job. I really didn't want to tap into my 401k to start you know, depleting those savings. Mm -hmm. uh, so I chipped away at what savings I had on hand uh, just to make, make ends meet. So I actually started working with a, a, a wonderful consultant named Mason Copeland uh, in, based out of Canada. And uh, he's a wonderful individual and uh, he still mentors me to until this day. Uh, and I owe him a huge gratitude of uh, thanks. But he assessed my educational background uh, he actually, um, you know, talked to me about a, a wide range of options and uh, put some ideas in my mind that I never thought would have even given thought of. And restoration is is one of them. So okay. uh, along with home, various home services. And initially, I automatically had these negative thoughts of, hey, you know, I'm not a handyman. I can't do that. Uh, and he's like, well, let's talk further. Okay, that's nice. I'm glad he opened your eyes there. D during this time, you know, you're obviously in a point where you're like, oh, shoot, money's money's dwindling. What does my future look like? I, I don't know how your home life looks. I, I don't know if you have a significant other or any children. Um, but your point, you're almost in a position, Mike, that you're like, what next? And then that's when you, I guess, the restoration industry was sort of brought to you and you explored it further. Yes. Uh, so uh, I am married uh, and I have a wonderful wife named Raven at home. And uh, I, I have to say that none of this would be possible without her support because I talked to her about this and, uh, you know, explained to her that I have a plan, but it's going to require her buy in. And uh, she said, OK, I'll support you either way. Uh, go for it. So that made things a lot easier for me to just go out there and give it my all without having to worry about, okay, you know, am, am I going to have any additional stress, you know, due to the momentary, momentarily lack of income, should mm -hmm. I say. And, uh, you know, it, it was a, a year that was very tough. 
you know, and, but we made it through and we, you know, just stuck to a plan. We lived within our means, uh, you know, of course, couldn't really go out and ha have any fun during that time. And, and of course, it was the pandemic. So, you know, we just stayed in primarily yeah. anyway. Worked out. And uh, yeah, exactly. So um, I explored uh, all, all options for funding and ultimately used my own 401k. So again, it made the the jump a little bit more risky, but after exploring all options and settling in the restoration world, um, you know, I made the right decision. And of course, with uh, counseling and guidance from Mason, uh, who assured me that, hey, you know, wherever whatever journey you decide to take, I am confident you will be successful if you, you know, follow the plan, just you know, ask questions and give it your all, you will be successful. And it takes time, more importantly, success doesn't come overnight. Mm -hmm. I, I agree. So during this time, what what year was it? 2020, 21, 20? 2020. Okay. Okay. So 2020, that's when you decide, okay, it's restoration one, let's go. Correct. Yes. Okay. And how was that? If, if I can take you back briefly for that initial year or so, the first couple of months, I'm sure you're learning a lot. A lot of things are coming at you. You're like, so how was that starting up the business? Starting up the business. Uh, so we we started, uh, you know, towards the tail end of the year, we, you know, we get getting things together. And initially early on, there were a few bumps in the road uh, as far as communication from the office and uh, the leadership at the time, you know, some information that I received, you know, it was a little different from what they told me. And I got frustrated initially and uh, was concerned. And uh, but huge shout out to Restoration One. Um, they actually were in a transition themselves uh, and brought in some wonderful, wonderful people. Uh, and uh, those people are still there to until today, right now. And, and um, you know the the organization is in a great place. Uh, but at the time, I think I you know, was a bit anxious already because, you know, I, I thought, okay, you know, like once, once it sank in, like, okay, this is real, this is happening. Uh, there's no turning back at this point. Um, and, uh, you gotta go. So, um, nothing is perfect. And I said, okay, you know, I just gotta, you know, just remain calm and just move forward and trust the process. And, uh, so I did that and, uh, you know, it took a little bit of time because this industry is a little bit different. You can't just jump in and just kind of go full steam ahead. There's a learning curve involved uh, and there are certifications that you have to obtain before they even let you open the doors to your own franchise. So I had to go through that process. It was almost like I had to reinvent myself uh, and go through a lot of training and uh, so initially, uh, early on, some of the training, uh, you know, I found difficult because a lot of stuff, I am an in-person classroom type of guy, like I need to be in person, I need to see it, I need to feel it, touch it. And uh, a lot of the course curriculum, they were basing it off of conversation and pictures. So some of the stuff just, you know, I had a hard time um, uh, you know, really just breaking down mentally and, and just trying to gather an understanding of what would be expected of me. And so, uh, you know, that those were some additional frustrations and initially caused some concerns, uh, you know, for me and 
you know, I encountered some wonderful people along the way, uh, you know, when I uh, journeyed to a, uh, uh, a they, they sort of broke up their yearly conference into small regional conferences. And I went to the very first regional conference, uh, I want to say that spring down in Atlanta, Georgia, met a wonderful uh, gentleman in South Florida who I, I came across, John Ortega, and I still consider him a, a huge mentor mentor uh until this day um you, you know he and i immediately clicked and he's like you know you can facetime me anytime and let's talk about it and actually you know early on in that journey uh after i opened up he's just giving me all kinds of coaching ideas saying hey you know you're a new business no one knows you right now you can't sit around waiting for the phone to ring you got to go out there and you got to start like planting seeds in, in folks heads you got to go visit people go in some of these shops that are reopening, introduce yourself. And, you know, at, at the time, I wasn't entirely comfortable with that process because I'm not a salesperson, but I thought, okay, if I want to start seeing some revenue and see, seeing some business activity, I got to do something and I got to get out of my comfort zone. So I started doing that and um, visiting people and just, you know, introducing myself, introducing my company, handing out literature, uh, you know, and, and typically being met with, you know, okay, thanks for stopping by or, you know, the initial resistance like, oh, what's he's here to sell and things like that. And, uh, you know, folks not really understanding at the time that we are a business that you actually need us. Uh, and there's competition, of course, but when emergencies happen, people are really, really glad to see us uh, in stressful times. Sure. I'm I'm glad you mentioned this, Mike. the The gentleman in Florida was he another franchisee? So he's a so he's a senior field consultant okay. and uh, with Restoration One, and he is a former uh, franchisee with Pure Clean. Okay, okay. So and he was a, a competitor. Got it. Okay. So he was the one who gave you sort of the, the advice to just go out there and get out there. And you were going to just any businesses or what was the, or you were visiting specific businesses in different fields or niches or what was the plan? Then? Yeah. So initially I, I went out to various businesses. So I, I went out to small businesses along Connecticut Avenue, downtown corridor, Capitol Hill, insurance agents. Uh, we visited local universities, but we, we more importantly talked about our target audience. So our target audience, property management folks, uh, you know, uh, insurance uh, personnel, uh, talking to facilities managers, of course, hotel, uh, the, the first points of contacts in the hotel environments, who are, who's going to make those first phone calls in the times of emergencies, the front desk, the night desk manager, or mm -hmm. the uh, head of engineering in the hotel environment. Uh, the same thing with whatever Cushman and Wakefield or CB Richard Ellis, find out who are the key stakeholders in those organizations uh, from a facilities management standpoint and go from there. Uh, we also looked into uh, local uh, school systems. And of course, I have to be careful along this journey to make sure that I'm operating specifically within my contractual territory. And what is your territory? Washington, D.C., and uh, right now, a few uh, surrounding areas in the uh, Prince George's and Charles County uh, suburbs. Okay. So if someone were to call you outside of that area, it would not be your territory. Well, there's rules. We okay. can actually take work in those areas. If we're called, uh, the contractual agreement states that 
no owner can specifically market their business in another contracted territory. Okay. But we can take work, you know, in West Virginia, if someone were to call us for a very lucrative opportunity there or, you know, um, you know, any any other uh, contracted territory. But we just can't go in, in there and specifically promote uh, Restoration One of Washington, D.C. Sure. Speaking about marketing, you know, you're you're explaining to us as far as what you went out initially to start marketing your services and. I'm sure things may be looking a little different now. Does, I don't know, does corporate, I guess, provide some type of marketing in-house or is just all done internally by you? So it's all done internally by us. Uh, they link us with a uh, marketing company. They they have suggested marketing companies, but ultimately uh, they also have options for mm -hmm. franchisees to explore uh, if you're looking to transition away and have options. So with your website and SEO, uh, your your uh, digital ads, Google ads, uh, and things like that. As far as social media management, uh, we strike out on our, on our own to sure. provide social media marketing. Okay. I, so basically you handle a lot of it in-house. Yes. Uh, as far as local, uh, yeah. I was told... Don't sit around wait, waiting for the phone to ring. Get out there and boots on the pavement. Go introduce yourself face-to-face -face in, in person. Leverage those Chamber of Commerce uh, memberships, the BNI groups, uh, BNI meetings, uh, and just get out more importantly in the field. So I don't really stay in the office a lot. Uh, I get out and I'm around the city just trying to make connections and just talk to people along the way and let them know that, hey, we're a trusted partner. They can choose any restoration company, you know, our competition that, that's out there, and I won't name them. But uh, what sets us apart is my background in the hotel hospitality industry and, you know, the importance of treating every home like it's our own and providing that five-star level customer service. And that's what we strive for. Yeah. You know, in my world in commercial real estate, we do that. We call it canvassing when we go out there and canvass the market and whether provide flyers, business cards, whatever it may be. And and as I'm sure you know, Mike, that sometimes takes time, uh, especially yes. in my world. People don't need my services daily or maybe once every five years of that, they need my, my commercial real estate services. So finding someone out there and going door knocking or whatever it may be or cold calling, it, it's not, yeah, oh, I, I need your service today. So I'm sure you stumbled across that going out there as well, right? Absolutely. And you, I had to get it out of my mind that, okay, like, you know, rejection, no one likes to feel rejection, but, you know, right now, you know, just like you said, uh, just give it time. Yeah. I, I would see it as just building relationship if that was something they were interested, just because maybe when they do need my services in the future, hopefully I'm the first thing they think of, right? And I'm sure once I change my perspective on it is just they're not rejecting me personally is maybe they just don't need me right now. And that's normal. That's actually the norm, but maybe down the road, they will. That's totally uh, accurate. And also there are some people who don't believe in putting all their eggs in one basket. And so sometimes there are opportunities along the way where they've had these relationships uh, with certain organizations for quite some time. And, uh, someone else, you know, there, there's a, a window of opportunity uh, sometimes and, and people come in, new new faces come in, they're like, hey, let's give this a try. And 
and, and explore. You know, I've heard wonderful things about this company and, and I've received phone calls from those various organizations that I never thought that I would hear from uh, saying, hey, you know, you stopped off and, and dropped off some of your information. So it does work. Uh, like you said, it just actually takes a little bit of time uh, yeah. for it to manifest. Since we're in the marketing subject here, from from a marketing standpoint now, what would you say drives the most traffic for your business? I would say uh, right now our SEO is strong. Uh, so we actually uh, receive leads through uh, some lead generating companies uh, and also through organic Google uh, SEO. Uh, so uh, Google ads, but also more importantly, you know, uh, leveraging our relationships through uh, the local uh, chamber of commerce and also through um, there's various memberships through, um, you know, the uh, apartment and office building association and um, property management association and just getting out there and uh, boots on the ground. Uh, we actually, more importantly, still receive organic calls from properties asking, hey, uh, do you, can you guys come out for this assessment? We had you know, a, a two unit apartment fire. Uh, we need some cleanup and, and uh, remediation. And uh, so we go out there and, and and when I hear those calls come in because all of our calls are, are recorded for quality assurance and I monitor those calls at the end of the day uh, and just to see where our leads are coming from because we use a, a lead tracker uh, for budgeting purposes to know where we kind of direct our marketing dollars. And uh, so I'll go out and visit those uh individuals that will call us mm -hmm. and just, you know, introduce myself as an owner and, and let them know, Hey, give them my contact information. My phone's on 24 seven, any event of an emergency, you can feel free to call me. Uh, if you decide to work with us, we certainly would welcome the opportunity, uh, and, and, uh, you know, just, you know, love to build a relationship with them and even give back more importantly, uh, to any charitable endeavors that they may have. That's great. Mike, are most of your customers on the commercial side or do you do also residential, let's say just families and homes who've been displaced for whatever reason? All of the above. So okay. we're so right now, uh, I would say we're 50-50 we're uh, commercial and residential. Okay. It, initially, early on, commercial is hard because they already have a lot of established relationships on that mm -hmm. side. So it took a little bit of time. But the residential side was really starting to pick up for us. Uh, we are a vendor, uh, an approved vendor with Travelers Insurance. So basically, if uh, any persons insured with Travelers uh, were to call in an emergency, they would be provided with the authorized approved vendors list that they can reach out to. And usually we're on that list of uh, companies uh, that they provide the uh policyholder with and and we'll get the calls uh you know uh home, home fires unfortunately for emergency board ups uh you know sump pump failures water cleanup uh dry out extraction um even in uh roof tarping unfortunately during the summer storms when trees unfortunately topple over and and uh cause significant damage and uh we have relationships with the uh tree crane service or tree removal companies that can come in with the tree uh with the with the crane service and uh remove the trees from the home and then my team will get up there and provide provide the roof tarping service until um you know they they can actually get the uh, repair work underway once it's approved uh the scope of work is improved approved by the insurance company 
Sure. What would you say drives and motivates you today? Uh, my employees, uh, you know, also just the opportunity to, to provide good service to the community that I'm where I'm from. Uh, I never thought in a million years that I would be a local entrepreneur, uh, that has created jobs. I have, uh, nine employees and from time to time i actually have to uh, let me back up nine full-time employees and from time to time i have to bring on uh temporary workers so sometimes that number uh can randomly exceed to more than 20 uh on occasion depending on the scope and size of the project uh we're dealing with so it's still um that that's what motivates me that these employees are uh relying on me and this business to provide a livelihood for their families. So it just motivates me even more to continue on this path to try to create more jobs for the DC, Maryland, Virginia community, uh, and to try to grow and be the best local restoration company uh, in the DC area. I love that, Mike. Speaking about employees and your team members, how do you go about actually finding the right people to bring on to your team and putting them in the right place in the right role in the job? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, early on during the pandemic, it, you know, trying to hire employees, it was a very difficult time. Uh, we didn't really receive hardly any applicants. So it was uh, a slow go. And I found myself more involved in the day-to-day -day operations from a production standpoint until we were able to get one employee and then leverage some relationships. And along the way, uh, we basically post to job boards, uh, various job boards. Uh, so I use a site called careerplug.com and they post to, I want to say maybe over 20 different job, job boards uh, to uh, source our candidates. And we also, uh, of course, uh, from time to time may receive referrals. And uh, so customers we've served along the way will ask us, hey, are you guys hiring? A, you know, I have a nephew or I have a grandson who is in need of an opportunity. And we've had uh, some successful candidates uh, sourced from um, those uh, uh, backgrounds as well, or you know th those uh, uh, former uh, customers um, that we we've serviced. That's great. And you know, speaking about employees and customers and everything, if someone's listening to you, and maybe they are an employee, and maybe they've always thought about having their own business just like you did maybe they're not sure what industry it might be restoration who knows maybe it's franchisee route maybe it's non-franchisee route any advice or suggestions you would give that person as far as what to look out for what they should know at first before moving forward absolutely i would say do some careful research set aside fear fear is our biggest enemy uh it will hold you back and not allow your creative juices to flow. So I would say don't set your fears aside, but more importantly, don't just jump out there. Uh, give it careful thought. I highly recommend franchising because franchising, you're not in business by yourself. Uh, you're in it. You're in a proven winning system that's proven to succeed if you are disciplined and do exactly what you're told. And uh, more importantly, uh, just, uh, you know, uh, just, again, careful research and more importantly, maybe find yourself a good mentor, 
someone maybe that is an entrepreneur or uh, has experimented with entrepreneur just because they may have been in business by themselves and no longer are in business, they still have a wealth of knowledge that they can pass along to you as you know, you can take the advice for how you want. Uh, and, and either way, they have these experiences that they learned along the way. And I'm sure they look back upon those th that journey to say, okay, I would have done this differently. Here's what did succeed for me. Oh, that's all great advice. Thank you, Mike. Thank well, you. What are some habits or traits you feel you have that have helped you in the business or maybe even just outside of the business on the personal side of things? My willingness to uh, be fair and open uh, and to train, develop, coach, mentor. People gave me an opportunity along the way and, and provided coaching and mentoring. So I, I feel I have an obligation to give back. Uh, I have brought individuals in who not necessarily did not have a restoration background, but I assessed their character and, you know, if they were willing to put in the work necessary to learn and be coached. Mm -hmm. And if they are, then, okay, not a problem. We'll, we'll help to prepare them for, you know, this, this opportunity. And I explained to these folks that, Hey, you're not just coming in for a job. You're coming in for an opportunity and we're a growing company. So this will also help you to grow your career. If you're interested and become a leader and ultimately whatever path they decide to take from there i explained that i would be willing to talk to them and give that sound advice if necessary so that is my passion training coaching developing mentoring uh it's something that i feel that i'm pretty good at and uh you know i uh want to continue to do that along the way Speaking of improving and growing your team, I know you said you have nine full-time people. How does that look? Is Are they, are they certain number outside out, out on the field? Do you have anyone in-house internally helping out with any admin or office duties? Yes, I have uh, a back office staff. So basically I have uh, a project manager and, and an admin. The project manager is in a hybrid role between the back office and in the field. Uh, and I have uh, a crew chief, and then the rest of the uh, employees are uh, field technicians. Okay, I, I see. That's great. Yes. What is the biggest challenge with your role today at Restoration One of Washington, D.C.? Yeah, I would say uh, accounts receivables. <laughs> accounts <laughs> receivables, uh, you know, collections. Uh, sure. It, it, it really can take quite some time uh, to collect, um, you know, for the jobs that we complete. I mean, I've had some jobs we can go almost a year before we've actually uh, collected the revenue that we're owed. So I had to actually um, find and build a relationship with a good local attorney and uh, to help us out in that aspect from time to time. Uh, sometimes uh, a lot of our jobs are, insurance uh based jobs so basically we the policyholders go through their insurance policies uh and file a claim and uh sometimes those claims are are held up for various reasons um you know and the insurance companies sometimes will bring in 
uh, a third party to review uh, the scope of work and you know uh, reevaluate the payouts and and it could get tied up from there. So those are the challenges I would say that I've learned along the way, uh, and it created some tense moments early on because you're looking at cash flow management and cash flow is the biggest area of opportunity. Uh, so I've you know learned along the way the importance of uh, business lines of credits. Uh, you know, things like that, just to be able to survive tough times. And uh, so, uh, you know, and, and I still consider myself uh, learning every day, uh, uh, you know, different tools necessary uh, in order to uh, navigate this journey. That's tough. And I'm glad you mentioned the credit lines because that was going to be my next question. You know, it might take months or like you said, even over a year to collect and you still have bills to pay every month and you still have employees that want to get paid bi-weekly or whatever it is. And what about them? <laughs> Correct. Yes. And those were moments early on uh, that I just said, you know, like the employees, they expect a paycheck every two weeks. They can't, they're not going to sit around and wait for an excuse like, oh, we didn't get paid from this job. So it's up to me to provide. And uh, so I brought them into this situation. I have an obligation to make sure that they're paid on time. And uh, so that's when I begin to have conversations with mentors, with the franchise system uh, to learn about options. Uh, so there are options out there. And again, I think being in business by yourself, I mean, there's certain things you're taught along the way in college, but you know, let's, let's be real, you know, unless you're in the class and sometimes you're, you're able to quickly forget about some of the things that you learned along the way. Uh, and, and so sometimes just surrounding yourself with the uh, with uh, certain people and you, you have these conversations, hey, I'm running into this challenge. And then, you know, you're quickly able to get answers. Yeah. Mentioning credit lines, you know, sometimes, especially with a new business, it's not that easy to establish and get those. Um, whether you're one year into it or just a few years into it, did, did you have any difficulties or everything was pretty smooth? I had a lot of difficulties. Uh, it went, so if we back up a little bit early on, when I told you some of the challenges that I incurred out the gate with the franchise system, they told me, oh, we have, you know, and, and I'm not trying to throw anyone under the bus, but I guess uh, the COVID pandemic, companies reevaluated their business uh their, their their business landscape and what mm -hmm. they were willing and will not willing to do and i think because of the influx of people who were either furloughed or laid off during the pandemic i think you saw an influx of people looking to start businesses around that time frame so what might have once been an option for financing uh with the franchise system or the the, the company's that has a, a relationship with the franchise system, you know, they quickly told me, no, we don't, uh, you know, since the pandemic, we don't lend to new franchisees. And I went, oh, wow. Okay. So automatically, we talk about cash flow automatically. So I, I told you I used my 401k and mm -hmm. it automatically like just started depleting really, really fast. And it created some really anxious moments for me. I, you know, really got concerned. Um, so, uh, and like you said, starting out is the hardest part because no one wants to lend to an unestablished business. Mm -hmm. So I had to use my own money to get this company 
uh, up and running. Um, and if you're looking to obtain vehicles, which you, which you will need uh, in our line of work, I had to sign on as a personal guarantor to everything. So here I am, a guy who's basically uh, been jobless for, for a while now, uh, but thank God I had good credit, a good personal credit history. Mm -hmm. That's why I was able to obtain lines of credit necessary uh, from local dealerships in order to get work fans. Um, and also I just had to pay a lot of money up front for the equipment that was needed to get started. So it really created some really tense moments. Uh, but looking back, it created some uh, learning opportunities and uh, which if anyone's going into business or anyone that I come across, you know, were to ever ask me, I would definitely share what I think, you know, is the preferred route you should go to getting up and running. Well, what would be the most preferred route to go? So I definitely would explore uh, conventional loan opportunities, potential SBA loan opportunities, and more importantly, uh, give your four, give four hundred one k your four hundred one k a shot if that's something. It's called uh, ROBS. Uh, you don't hear it talked about a lot, but ROBS rollover for business startups, uh, and there are certain companies that that you know facilitate that process. Uh, you know when you go. Um, go about the ROPS process like I did, uh, you're automatically uh, set up as a C corporation. And so of course, a C corporation, you're taxed uh, a little more than an LLC or an S corp. Mm -hmm. So that's just something also to consider. And that's the route you went, you said, right? Correct. Yes. We're, we're a C corp at the moment. We're looking to uh, re, uh, uh, re, establish ourselves uh, this year, potentially as an S-Corp or an LLC. So when you opened this company, Mike, you literally went all in, like you put everything, all the chips on the table. It's like black or red one way, that's it, no other way. Correct, I did. And it created some really tense moments. One thing I'd like to say while I'm, I'm here is, uh, you know, uh, you hear a lot about mental health talked about these days and you know, I will say that sometimes the journey can feel lonely, uh, but I would encourage people to not uh, feel that way. Um, you know, it's an emotional up and down roller coaster. So you're going to have very high moments, but it's going to take a while to get there. OK, nothing happens overnight. Um, and uh, but once you start to achieve achieve that level of success, it's going to feel really good that you put in the hard work and the equity and the sweat to get to that point and to see it manifest and grow, that's what gives me satisfaction. Uh, so definitely um, there's moments that I've questioned myself, why did I do this? What have I gotten myself into? But I have no regrets at this point. Uh, I really enjoy it. Uh, what I've uh, told myself is now I have the freedom to cre create my own day, how to scope of my own day goes if i want to stop working today at at 12 30 and go home for the rest of the afternoon or if i want to go for a walk in the park for two hours uh in the middle of the day i can certainly do that mm -hmm. so those are the trade-offs and you just have to find that peace of mind along the way and create uh that happiness that you're going to need that's great advice coming to an end here soon mike what do you know now that you wish you would have known at the start of your business career? Um, 
I know now that nothing happens overnight. It takes time. And more importantly, I would say um, get a mentor if you can. Uh, if you can find any, and I, I would say, you know, a, a mentor coach, someone who has been in business. And there are individuals out there who are, are entrepreneurs. Some may or may not be willing to uh, offer advice. But if you are fortunate enough to encounter someone in business, and, you know, even if they're not a mentor per se, but maybe just asking them, like, how did you you know, embark on this journey and what advice would you give to someone like myself looking to go into business? So I would say just uh, look to build some relationships and do careful research. And and, and that's what I've learned is uh, I kind of went at it alone and I just kind of wish that I would have, um, you know, just brought my, my uh, scope a little bit more and just invited you know, or, or, and again, it was, it was during the pandemic. So I, you know, we had social distance, but mm -hmm. um, those are the things that I, I, I learned along the way that I would do differently is um, do, you know, more research with talking with, you know, established entrepreneurs and just finding out if, you know, this is the, you know, something that they would recommend or, or not, uh, you know, and more importantly, um, uh, you know, if they asked the, asking them those same questions, uh, if they had to start all over again, what would they do differently? Yeah, no, that's good. What does the next couple of years look like for you and the business? What are you most excited about? I'm most excited about uh, growing, uh, you know, increasing our bottom line and hiring more employees um, and also uh, looking to hopefully expand territory possibly and, um, you know, maybe uh, develop, uh, maybe grow uh, uh, another, look into another uh, investment opportunity outside of the R1 um, scale and, uh, you know, keep things uh, going for myself, uh, you know, and, and maybe, you know, start a, another uh, revenue stream along the way and, and uh, you know, hiring a general manager to help with the day-to-day -day operations. Sure. Are you thinking about a franchisee as far as the other possible option or... Yes, definitely franchising. Okay. All right. That, that's great. When yes. you're not busy working and running the business, what do you like to do for fun in your free time? Self-care. So, uh, you know, I like to, you know, uh, discover, you know, uh, pedicures, massages, going for walks, uh, you know, uh, definitely taking trips when necessary. And uh, more importantly, working in my yard sometimes is more therapeutic for me. So working out in the yard and uh, cooking. Uh, I like to cook when I'm, whenever I'm able to, uh, you know, I like to fire up the, the big green egg that I have and put some brisket on and, and some chicken and just sit back and, and uh, enjoy it. I love that. That's great. Mike, if people want to learn more about you or reach out to you, get in contact, where can they go to to find more information, please? Sure. They can give our company a call at 202-335-4820. And that's Restoration One of Washington, D.C. Or they can uh, find us on the web at Restoration One, and that's numeral one, dot com forward slash Washington hyphen D.C. That's great. Mike, thank you so much for coming on the show. I had a great time. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this. Pleasure was all mine. Take care. All right. Take care.